It's more like it. I got a stage, a sta- stand man now. That's good. That's good. Pulls up my stand for me. <laughs> He's a way maker. Amen. He's also a wave maker. But seriously, I mean, though, I long for the Lord to make a wave that sweeps our country, right? That would bring people to Christ, that, that, our, that our country would experience revival. We need Jesus. This is what we need. Above all else is Jesus. This is what our country needs. Above all else is Jesus. One of the deceptions, I think, in our world today, in our country today, is that we think if we just say, I'm a Christian, that means I'm living my life for Jesus. But I think we've got a lot in our country, a lot of people who are taking the title of Christian but aren't really living that out. We need more. We need more people to recognize that being a Christian is not just some name tag I put on, that it's actually a life change. It's, it's a worldview. It's a perspective of everything. It should impact everything we do. Not just how we live in our homes, not just how we live on Sunday mornings, but how we live in the marketplace, how we live politics out. How do we live our politics out? What does that look like? How do we interact with one another? We need a wave of the Spirit to wash across our land. Amen? All right. This morning, we continue our 40 days of prayer along with the Alliance, and the topic at hand is evangelism. And to set that up a little bit, I just want to take a moment again to uh, remind us that we are an Alliance church, right? And 40 days of prayer, this is an Alliance kind of initiative that has been passed down from the national office to all of the churches asking us to join with them. We have done that, uh, and it, it's been sweet, actually. I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the daily devotions. I hope those of you who are doing that are enjoying those as well. I just think they're well-written, good questions, reflection, and uh, it's been good. But uh, we need to recognize as well that uh, we are an Alliance Church here, that this is a Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and that we have a founder whose name was A.B. Simpson. And the reason that evangelism is, part of the reason that evangelism is on this list of 40 days of prayer time to start the year off is because, first and foremost, A.B. Simpson was an evangelist. He longed for those who don't know Jesus to know Jesus, to reach out to them. He left his church. He had a great, I mean, you could call it a mega church at the time in a sense, right? This massive church that he was a part of, getting paid very well in the city of New York. But he's also during the week down at the docks and he's evangelizing to those who don't know him. He brings those people to church on Sunday morning. His elders are like, no, 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 you can't do that here. We're not that kind of church. We don't want that rough riffraff in here. And so Simpson's like, I'm out. I'm not your pastor anymore then. I'm, I'm done because that's not what I'm about. I'm about us bringing everyone together into the body of Christ. 
So A.B. Simpson began a mission-sending agency, which eventually turned into the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which we have today as a denomination. In this organization, this uh, alliance of churches that he put together, they, uh, they, the sole reason was to send missionaries. It, it wasn't about a, even a, a theology or a doctrine. It wasn't about everybody agreeing with certain you know, perspectives on Scripture or what that looks like or how to live that out. It was about, hey, we all believe that Jesus is the answer for the world, and so we are going to pool our resources to send people to the lost countries and nations of the world. And so he uh, uh, got gathered together churches from all different denominations who decided that they wanted to be a part of that movement, a part of that mission-sending uh, strategy. And then because of that, we have more alliance churches, more alliance members outside of the United States than we do inside the United States. In that, he also established a thing. I don't know whether he established it officially, the name or not. I'm not. I don't know exactly the history of it, but we have this thing called the Great Commission Fund. Maybe you've seen it before on our giving envelopes or and our websites or different thing. Everything. It's called GCF, right? It's abbreviated GCF, Great Commission Fund. And this is something that's a, a very unique among Christian mission-sending organizations today. Not, not, I, don't, I don't know of any other mission-sending organization that does something like this. But the Great Commission Fund is a beautiful thing because what it does is says, hey, we're going to pool all of our money together and then we're going to send missionaries to the places that, we, that, that need them, right? The nations that need them. And so when a missionary feels called to the mission field, usually, like in most organizations today even, they would go to a mission-sending organization and say, hey, I feel like God's calling me to the Congo. And the missions agency would say, that's great. You need to figure out a way to pay for your time while you're there. So you got to go raise your support. Get your, we'll help you do that. We'll help you put together letters or whatever you need to do. We'll help you kind of connect with churches or whatever. But you have to go raise your support. Once you've got your support, we'll help you to get there and we'll support you once you're on the field as far as, you know, giving you some, you know, so, uh, you know just relationships and, and oversight and that kind of thing. But with the Alliance missionaries, that's not how it works. In the Alliance, missionaries come to, uh, if some, a missionary comes to the Alliance, they say, hey, I, I want to go to the field. I feel like God's calling me to the Congo. They say, great, we've got the money, you've got the mission, let's join them together, let's make it happen. This frees missionaries of having to come back every four years, really, not just for a rest from the field, but in order to raise more money so that they can go back. So with this comes also in the mission organization, Alliance Missions organization, is we have people at the, in, in, our, in our board, at our missions agency in the, in the United States, who strategize about where they're going to send missionaries. And understand that the Alliance is different in this way as well. They are not just concerned with sending missionaries anywhere and everywhere. They are only concerned with sending missionaries to the least reached people in the world. The hardest places to go, that's where the alliance wants to go. The places where it's illegal to be a Christian, we have alliance missionaries there. The places where you could die if they found out that you were trying to proselytize, we have alliance missionaries there. 
We have people that are in all of these places because the alliance is committed to go to the darkest places in the world. And so back to my example about a missionary coming. So if a missionary comes and they have a place they want to go, they say, hey, I want to go to the Philippines. See, the alliance has already been there, and they actually have left there because there's a great national church going on in the Philippines, and they don't really need the gospel anymore. There's still non-Christians there, don't get me wrong. But you know, the national church is taking care of that in the Philippines. And so if a missionary came into the alliance and said, hey, we want to go to the Philippines, we'd say, well, you know, they'd say, hey, that's great. We're excited about that, but we're not sending missionaries to, to the Philippines because they've already got a good church there already going. So if you would like to be an alliance missionary, we've got other spots. Would you think about or pray about that? And if they will, then they can be a part of our alliance missions. If not, if they think, no, Philippines is for me, they say there's great other organizations that will send you to the, to the Philippines if you want to go. Right? So this is the commitment that the alliance has. This is the strategy that we have. We, we strategize and always are looking for the darkest, most lost places in the world to send missionaries. And working also to establish a national church. We don't want to be there forever. We, we want to we get out of there as soon as we can. So that means that we don't come in and try to make them like us or be dependent on us. We come in and once a church begins to establish, we want pastors trained up who are nationals who can then lead those churches so that our missionaries can step out and then move, move to a, a new lost place. We've actually seen this work out in Taiwan where we may be sending, uh, doing a vision trip at some point. We planned to do it last year and COVID kind of uh, canceled that out. And so we're hoping that still. But Taiwan, we have the Iversons. They came and shared in our church a year and a half ago or so. And uh, they, were, they were in a particular community in Taiwan built, building a church. They had built that church. That church had then hired a national to be their pastor. And so the Iversons left that church, left that city, and went to another city in Taiwan that doesn't have a church in order to begin to do the same thing there. This is what the Alliance does. This is the mission that we are on. Now, there's multiple ways that the Alliance engages in the mission field. They have what's called CAMA, C-A-M-A. It's our disaster relief wing. When there's some disaster that happens, natural disaster of some sort, or political disaster maybe even, whatever that may be, we have alliance people who are going to that disaster in order to care for and supply just practical needs of what they need in the moment. Uh, you know, water and beds and, and, and coverage and medical care, whatever it may be, we have uh, alliance people there. We also then also have uh, what's called marketplace ministries. And these are professionals... So business folks, either you know, teachers or, or businessmen of some sort or engineers or something like that, just they've been trained already in some field of you know, work. And they then go to a nation that is, doesn't, that is a dark nation, doesn't know Jesus, and they get a work visa and they attempt to work in this country in order to begin to disciple their neighbors and their co-workers and that kind of stuff. Generally, marketplace uh, uh, missionaries are those are they're entering into lands where it's illegal to be a missionary so you can't get a missionary visa you have to get a work visa and that's the only way in but we've got missionaries that are in these dark places that you can't be a missionary and they're there working but also discipling developing those relationships with neighbors and co-workers hoping to be able to share the love of jesus with them and for a church to begin 
Next, we have uh, what's called access, A-X-C-E-S-S, access missionaries. And these are more maybe your kind of traditional missionaries where they, it is legal for them to be in a nation. And so they're in there actively trying to develop, like in Taiwan with the Iversons, trying to develop churches and plant churches in these uh, dark places in the world. And then finally, there's envision. Envision is a short-term missionary uh, kind of experience where people from the states or from around the world actually can go and participate in, uh, uh, on the mission field for a week or two weeks just to kind of be able to be a support for the mission field that's there, but also just as an opportunity to experience missions, to be trained in missions, and to develop some of those skills and a heart for the lost in uh, other countries. All right, so that's a little bit about the alliance, right? These, these are important aspects that we need to understand. I feel like, you know, oftentimes I don't talk about enough about this, right? And, and that, that we are an alliance church, and that means something, right? And so I, I just want to drive that important point home, that we are this alliance church that has as its heritage a mission-sending heart. And so that we would continue as a church to be thinking that way and recognizing this is part of who we are. We all know of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, right? Let's go ahead and read it because it's always good to read God's word instead of just like, oh yeah, that guy, I remember him. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do we recognize that this commission is to all believers? We'd be mistaken to think, oh, this is just for the disciples. No, this is for all who follow Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, then this commission is for us as well, right? That we would be the ones who are looking for opportunities to share this amazing gift that we have received. This week we had this uh, Mega Millions or whatever that was a billion dollars, right? Billion dollar lottery, right? And one person won it, right? In Michigan, right, I think. I don't know who it is. But do you think maybe that guy at some point is going to, maybe he won't tell too many people, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Don't you tell somebody if you win the lottery, right? I mean, if you got some good news, if you've been just saved, right, wouldn't you want to tell somebody else about that? If you really believed and understood that you were destined for destruction and for eternity in hell, and then you found Jesus, wouldn't you want to tell others about that? You know, this is who we are as Christians, right? This is, we have this amazing good news. Are you sharing it with anyone? So it's not so much, you know, this great commission shouldn't be a burden to us. We should be excited about this. You know, the problem, this is another problem with being Americans, right? We just kind of think, well, most people are Christians already, and so it's not a big deal or whatever. But also we're so wealthy, we're worried, you know, we don't want to, you know, uh, offend anybody or get them upset with us. You know, we don't want them, you know, so have all these things that, you know, I, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I really like my kind of circle. I like my, uh, you know, club med kind of Christian experience, right? You know, and it's like, no, 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 this, there's more to this, right, that we need to be able to share. This should be the top priority in our life driving this home to our current political tensions that we're experiencing in our world, right? What is more important to us, being right politically or telling somebody else they're wrong politically or sharing the love of Jesus? Yeah. 
The Alliance also has this perspective, and this is a passage that drove A.B. Simpson as well. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The Alliance has this uh, slogan, if you will, that they use all the time, bringing back the king. What they mean by that is they're pointing to this passage. They're saying, we actually have some role to play in Jesus' return. That this gospel will be shared with the whole world, and then the end will come. Is the gospel shared with the whole world yet? I don't know what that means. Maybe, maybe not, whatever. But we still have a role to play in that. That we would be bringing back the king by continuing to take the gospel further and further to darker and darker places in order that it would be prepared. Those nations would be prepared for Jesus' return. When we begin to talk about evangelism, most people begin to, I think, uh, kind of freak out a little bit. A lot of people do. Oh, my gosh, what do you mean? I have to go, like, start knocking on doors and then just, like, you know, you know go walking down the street and start, like, grabbing strangers and talking to them about Jesus? Ah, oh, I can't do that. I'm freaking out, right? You know, so we get these uh, perspectives of fear and nervousness that begins to build up. Oh, I don't know enough about Jesus. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can be able to really gospel and witness to somebody. I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? But understand this. If Jesus is called us he will empower us right so why do we allow our fears to continue to squelch the gospel to squelch the spirit he will use the things that we do know to speak to the hearts of exactly that person who needs to hear the gospel just the way that we understand it just the way that we know it have you ever thought about this and i think this is true i believe that there are some people in this world who you are the only one who can share the gospel with them they will never see jesus in anyone else except for you they will never have an opportunity to hear the gospel except from you we all have different spheres of influence, right? Circles that we walk in, people we work with, people in our family, all this, neighbors, whatever. We are spread out all over the globe, right? All over this country. And so that means that there is just this reality that there's probably someone in that group who knows no other Christians. You recognize, like, the responsibility, the heart, the desire to want to be able to share the gospel with those and trusting that the Spirit is going to empower what he initiates. We don't need to have all the answers. We just have to recognize how we've experienced God. And then share that experience with others. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't you know, have to have all the answers to all the questions that potentially could be asked. You know Jesus. You've experienced him. Share that experience. Now it is true in our passage today, it starts off in uh, Colossians chapter 4. It starts off with Jesus saying, hey, you know, pray for, not Jesus, Paul, Paul saying, hey, pray for me, right? You know, like, like uh, I've, you know, we've got a mission we're doing and we need, some, we need some support in prayer. He says in verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So first of all, we need to recognize part of missions is supporting it. You know, we don't do it all on our own. There's this aspect that we need to support missions. Not all of us are going to be called to, you know, the darkest places in the world. But all of us, you know, are called to some place in the world, right? All of us are called to that mission, but not all of us are called everywhere. And so recognizing that we need to support that mission, that missionary, that mission field, those evangelists who are out there. And so praying is an important piece of that, that we would be joining Jesus in his work each week through prayer. You recognize that like prayer is that's we're joining with Jesus in that, right? That's part of this process. But also, do you recognize, you know, are you, that when we pray for the lost, it ignites our hearts for the lost. It develops that passion. If you feel cold towards the lost, those who don't know Jesus, start praying for them. If you know there's a person or a few people in your life who don't know Jesus, but you really have no passion, or you're struggling with the courage to be able to reach out, start praying for them. There's just something that, you know, like, you, like we say, you know, prayer isn't about moving God, it's about moving us, right? And it's true. Take time to spend time in prayer and praying specifically for the lost, and that will help to soften your heart and give you a passion to be reaching out with them and, and caring for them in some way. Also, another way we can support uh, those who go, those missionaries and such, is through giving. The GCF, I already talked about, Great Commission Fund, right? That we would always, that, you know, there's always more missionaries wanting to go on the mission field with the Alliance than we have money to send. There's always more. And so, you know, think about when you're giving and planning your giving for the year and the things that you give to. Obviously, you know, the church is a big part of that. That's kind of first priority. But second priority should be thinking about, okay, what are these mission organizations or missionaries that I can be supporting? Right? And I know some of you are supporting local stuff and all kinds of stuff. But, I, but if you're not already supporting the GCF, consider it. Pray about it. Ask God about it. You know, is this something that you should add to your support list of what you're sending money to to be able to support these missionaries? The reality is through giving to the Great Commission Fund, we are supporting missionaries all over the world, not just one. And so it's a great way for us to get a bigger global perspective of what, you know, what is happening in the world when we begin to give to Great Commission Fund. This last year, our church gave about $17,000 to the Great Commission Fund, which is about 5% or so of our overall giving. We would love for that to be nearer to 10%. And so again, just pray about that and see if that's something the Lord would be drawing you into encouraging you to be a part of is giving to the gcf and and maybe you're thinking to yourself i don't have the money to do that i'm already just kind of barely making ends meet well then lift that before the lord too if you have a heart to give and you don't have the money to give then just say lord help me to have an opportunity to join in this in some way i want to be a part of that i want to i want to feel like i can uh, be supporting that financially in some way and so see what god does and maybe he'll bring some extra gifts your way that you weren't expecting 
And then finally, I think we can support our missionaries through short-term mission trips as well. That we would be able to go. We had a Mexicali trip planned last year. We were excited about going down to Mexicali and, and, and doing some ministry there and supporting the mission field that's already happening there and the missionaries that are already there. Unfortunately, of course, that got canceled by COVID and we're hoping maybe this summer we'll be able to still make it happen, but uh, we'll see. But you know, short-term mission trips are great ways for us to get like you know on the mission field a little bit and get a little flavor for what it's like but more importantly, to really do some concrete, practical support for missionaries, to be there and to, to encourage them, to love for them, pray for them, help them in the ministry they're doing. There are certain things that a team can do that they can't do on their own. And so when we send a team, you know, we we're going to send 15, 25, uh, what is it, 25 or 30 people last year to Mexicali. That team of 30 people, right, I mean, that, that can do something that the missionaries on the ground, they can't do, right? They can use that 30, that manpower to really make some big impacts for a short period of time. And, and, and so, anyway, so that's a great way for us to support missionaries as well. But if that is the only thing we're doing in regards to evangelism, then I think we're missing the whole point of the Great Commission. Jesus' Great Commission is for all of us to engage in evangelism. Again, it's, it's in our, our uh, you know, vision statement that we would be engaging our neighbor with the love of Jesus, right, in authentic and caring relationships. But in order for us to engage, uh, you know, some tips, the things that we need to do to help us. If you're struggling with this, you know, some of us are just natural evangelists, right? We are. It's just, you know, some of us just are natural talkers. We don't have a problem talking with strangers. We don't have a problem, you know, striking up a conversation about Jesus, you know, in the line at the grocery store or whatever. Some of us are just natural that way. That's great. God's gifted you. Praise the Lord for that. Continue to use that gift. But uh, a lot of us aren't, right? You know, that's really a struggle for us. So how do we do this, right? And so, so I, here's some tips. I think these are the important pieces. If we're going to really engage in evangelism, these four things, five things, four things actually are, are important for us to, to be thinking about. First of all, to be prepared. See, God has already given us a message. He's already given us a testimony, right? It's our own personal experiences with God. So he's already given us, in some sense, some preparation there. So we just need to be ready to share that testimony. And not, you know, I, I've done this too, so I, this is why I call it out, because I just think of this, right? So, and it's not that you know, we so often, as Christians, I don't know why we do this, but we do. But we, we having this conversation with somebody about how life is going and they say, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, really good this way. Man, it's just been, I've just had some really great things, great conversations. You know, work's just been really good. And man, I just, you know, so we start kind of going off and you know, celebrating this amazing life that we're living. And we get to the end of it and we never say anything about Jesus. You know, is, you know we, did we not think of it? Or are we afraid to say it because that sounds, you know, too spiritual, you know, religious mumbo jumbo, whatever, right? Or can we actually just say that, right? Because oftentimes that's all it is. It's amazing what can happen just by saying, man, this week has been great. I have been so blessed by God. I mean, it's like his Holy Spirit has just been working with me this week and directing me, even if they aren't Christians, right? I mean, to say that with family members, with friends, with people you don't know. That's sometimes all it takes. Do we really think that, you know, we're, we're just lucky? Do we? And if we do, then maybe there's other, you know, we got we to gotta flesh that out in our brains a little bit and say, okay, what's going on here? Also in preparation, I, I think we just 
You know, some, some people think, I got to know the Bible really well. I got to know all the answers. You know, I've got, you know, be this amazing apologist who can do it. All. No, no, no. I think we just, you know, we don't, you know, sometimes you don't need uh, uh, to actually quote a passage from Scripture, right? You just need to at least know what that passage from Scripture is about, right? At least be able to summarize it in some way. But there's eight, I, I, got, I wrote down eight, like, simple passages for you to spend some time memorizing, just, just read it, even if, and memorizing just means read it every day for like, you know, a couple of weeks, and you'll probably have all of them pretty well down, right? So John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? I mean, this is simple. John 10, 10, that, you know, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, right? John 14, so these are four John verses. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 17, 3, this is salvation, that you know God and the one whom he sent, Right? I mean, these, that's four John verses. You know those four verses, and that's going to help you to kind of at least be able to maybe in the midst of a conversation about Jesus, be able to, if they begin to ask questions, you know, what is salvation? Here's a couple of verses that will help you. Then Romans Road, right? Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John, uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is etern- uh, the gift of God is eternal life, right? Uh, Romans 10.9, right? You know, believe in your heart that God raised him from the, or uh, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. I'm throwing that one. See, you just have to know the general idea, right? You don't have to have it word for word. So uh, there, those are eight verses right there. Just start reading those every day or a couple times a week at least or whatever and reminding yourself of those passages if you don't already know them. And they will help you in those moments where if someone does say, you know, yeah, tell me more about this Jesus and why should, what, what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian? So we need to be prepared. Next, we need to be intentional. It won't happen unless we're looking for it. Now, sometimes it can happen when we're not looking for it. We just get lambasted, right? Someone just comes up and says, you look like you might be a Christian. Tell me about Jesus, right? Or whatever. Right? Oh, I don't know you. What are you talking about? But usually it's not going to happen unless we're thinking about it. We're expectant that we are going to be around unbelievers and that they are going to want to know about Jesus. Even to the point that maybe we're looking for and even seeking out those unbelievers. Have you identified those in your life that don't know Jesus? Have you written their name down? Do you, do you know who they are? And then which one is the, per, uh, the person of peace maybe in your life? See, this, this concept comes from actually when, Je- when Jesus sent out the disciples uh, before he, you know, died and all that kind of stuff jesus was going to die later right but he sent out his disciples said hey go out and you're gonna you know you've been freely being you freely received freely give you know kind of thing and so they went out and did you know some missions work for a little while right and and so one of the things he says is look for a person of peace and a person of peace is simply someone that you just kind of just are drawn to right and they're drawn to you you can tell like you just sometimes you can notice it right away when you first have a conversation with somebody it's like wow it just kind of connects right you go Wow, that's interesting, right? That's, that would be a person of peace, someone that is just kind of your personalities or whatever it may be in the moment, you just connect. So who of those lost people on your list, who's the one that you just kind of connect with the best, right? Who's the one that just feels like that would be a person of peace? And that would be someone I would encourage you to begin you know, launching into some conversations about who Jesus is if you haven't already. Next, we need to be relational, right? 
Evangelism is more about authentic relationship than it is about, you know, constantly, you know, quoting scripture to them. This is what missionaries do on the field. This is the strategy they utilize. They don't just go in and stand on the street corner and start preaching. They get involved in the neighborhood and they begin to develop relationships. As they develop relationships, they're talking about their love for Jesus and the fact that God is part of their life, right? And, and so in that, it's a natural opportunity to begin to talk more and more and they begin to ask questions, but it's authentic relationship where we're actually caring for each other. Even introverts can develop relationships. We all need relationships. We all have them. Even the most extreme introverts still have some relationships. So just encourage, you know, this is not just an extrovert game only. Now, extroverts may have some advantages, but actually extroverts can miss it as well because they talk too much. And the person that God's calling you to is the one who needs to talk and they need someone to listen to them. And also recognize that evangelism is not primarily with strangers. Now, it happens. Sometimes, you know, again, some of us extroverts, we like to go on the street and just start having those conversations with random strangers as they come up, as the Lord leads. But that is not how most evangelism is done. It's done with people we know. People we're already in relationship with. So we need to be prepared, we need to be intentional, we need to be relational, and finally, we need to be obedient. When opportunity comes, we step in. Even though we're uncomfortable, even though it feels awkward, we step in. Trust that God's going to give us what we need in the moment. Right, again, we don't have to accomplish, we're not saving them. Jesus is saving them. We're just a part of that. And, and I, I, hope, I hope you recognize this is one of the greatest privileges, one of the greatest blessings of all of life is to feel like you're used by God, like you were a part of something that God was doing, that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And evangelism and, and leading someone to Christ is one of those events, right, where you just kind of like go, wow, you know, that was not me. I don't know how that all happened, but I praise the Lord that I was a part of it. And you just get excited and you're like, wow, that was awesome. I can't believe it. Look at this person. You see the freedom that they feel come across their face when they first accept Jesus, their excitement that they have, the recognition, the tears that come because for the first time they feel forgiven, for the first time they feel like they have a chance, right? That, that life has some hope in it, right? This is the stuff that we get to be a part of. If we're willing to be obedient and follow Jesus in this, right? When he gives that opportunity to step in and not run away from it. So this morning, uh, it was interesting. I got a text message from Ray. Uh, he is a relatively new. I'm sorry, I, I have a hard time with your last name for some reason. Would you? Tapinus. Okay, Tapinus. Very good. So Ray Tappanis, he's, I don't know if you've met him, not, he's been, he's, he's an extrovert, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he gets around. Uh, anyway, he's been coming to our church for a couple months now, and he texted me yesterday, said, hey, you know, I uh, had the privilege of leading a young gal to Christ on Friday. 
And so I was like, I said, oh, that's awesome. And I was glad that he shared it with me. And we, we kind of prayed together uh, about that. And then, and, then, and then it hit me. I was like, I'm, pre- I'm preaching on evangelism. Dude, we need to have a real life story. So, uh, so Ray has agreed to come and share his story with Emily on Friday, right? And so Ray, would you come up and just tell us in a few minutes kind of what opportunity you had there and the privilege that you had to uh, be a part of leading this gal to Christ. You can stay down there. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hi, church. Good morning. What a privilege it is to make yourself available. Well, yeah, I'm an extrovert. Uh, Okay. But um, when my daughters, they were very little, uh, we took them to a Billy Graham crusade in Fresno. It was one of the last crusades he had there. And... um, my daughters, they went down, they were very little, and gave their lives to Jesus. My wife, at the time, she, uh, she was sharing with them about how, how she came to the Lord that way. Now, that isn't always the case, because when we came back to, the, to where we were sitting in the stadium, uh, there was people next to us that didn't walk the aisle when Billy Graham asked them to come up. But they were holding hands, praying, and they were coming to Jesus right there in their chair. So it can happen anywhere. It can happen if, with an extrovert or an introvert. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very clear. It's very simple. It says in, um, in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm-hmm. What little phrases you give out to someone, when you walk away, you don't know what the Holy Spirit or how the Holy Spirit is going to use that. It has tremendous ramifications. It's, it's actually very beautiful and profound. So Elizabeth and, uh, and Sultan said, hey, why don't you come over? You have some time on Friday. Come on over. We're meeting with some wild ramp people, and we're going to go out in groups. I said, great. Uh, I remember doing that when I, was, when I was their age. So it makes me feel good. So we went out, and we separated in groups, and we went over to the bridge. And there's a, this is the first time I was there. There's a beautiful amphitheater underneath the bridge. The acoustics were great. I loved it. And uh, one, of the, one of the young men, was, was, uh, he was uh, playing his, uh, his Taylor guitar. And another one was singing. We were singing and walking around and just making yourself available, just clearing things out, being still and knowing that he is God. And so you have a feeling of expectation. You're expectant. Mm-hmm. It's part of, part of my relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't know what the day is going to be like. You know, we're, we're, we're uh, three miles ahead in our heads down the road when we get out of bed in the morning. I try to, try to keep myself contained and uh, get, on, get into his word. That's very important. And then here I am with these young people, um, 61 years young, and uh, I see this young woman walking down by the river, and she was just looked at, using her camera and so forth. And um, uh, Sultan had a, a Jewish family come down. And so people are listening, and they, they go away. And then she came up, and the boys were still singing, and she was sitting there at the edge looking, looking at the river. And um, I'm just going to, I didn't know what, this, what I was going to say. I just know that I'm going to open my mouth. <laughs> so I come up to her, and I, I start sharing to her about the wonders of God and nature, some information that I have. And started sharing to her, with her how this designer, how important it is for him to make these details available for us to see, the conscious observer. And I had her attention. And I felt the Holy Spirit. You know where it says in Romans where the love of God is shed abroad in your heart? 
Let me tell you folks, you gotta, you gotta experience this. There's this flow and this, this cord that is attached to that other human being when the Holy Spirit is using you. I mean, it's, it's, it's profound. I'm getting goosebumps just even thinking about it right now. Mm. So I was sharing with Emily. She's got to be Elizabeth's age, I think, about 20 maybe. Mm. She was still wearing braces. And I was starting to see as I'm starting to share how detailed her life is, how important she is, how her DNA is, not, is, is completely separate from every other person on the planet. So in that much detail, how much is she worth to God in her soul, which is separate? Now I can see tears in her eyes. She has some semblance of religion. She talked about, oh, I got some Jesuit background that people taught me and so forth. It's that religious thing that goes in there. But you know our Savior wants something a little bit more than religion, right? Mm -hmm. And I started sharing about how God wants her to be close with him. We ended up saying a prayer together, and she surrendered her life to get closer to the Lord there. So the words doesn't have to be a lot of words. It just has to be precise, and it has to, it has to, they have to see it in your eyes. Mm -hmm that what you're saying to them is not wasted air. When she's praying, I said to her, when we're praying now, it's not wasted air. Mm -hmm. He's hearing us, and this is divine appointment. Mm -hmm. I, I call it Ray's Law of Substantiated Coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are, if, it's, if it is, a, if it is a, uh, too many coincidences, it is, it's by divine appointment. Her name is Emily, and we lost her information. We're trying to see if we can meet up with her again. Please pray that I run into at the park, whatever, and uh, her name is Emily. Yeah, good. Awesome. Thank you. So good. Uh, worship team, why don't you come on up as I close off here, but it's as simple as uh, being prepared, being intentional, being relational, and being obedient, right? That this has to be part of our makeup, right, as Christians, that we're thinking about this. There are so many things in this world that try to distract us and say that, you know, career is more important. You know, our own family is more important. That, you know, all these other things in this world are more important. Making it through the day is more important. Getting the promotion is important. You know, having, you know, a retirement plan. You know, all these kind of stuff that our world is telling us that politics is more important. No, Jesus is the most important. And there's a lot of people in this world who still don't know him haven't surrendered their life to him. And so we need to continue to give testimony to God's goodness in our life and allow him to use that to impact the lives of others. Now, some of us, maybe we struggle, you know, maybe we don't know non-Christians. Maybe we don't have anyone that we know that I can identify. Maybe we struggle to just, you know, even be around. We just kind of, everything we do seems to be around Christians. So there's things like intervarsity that we talked about at the beginning of the service, that are a ministry that you can get involved in that's going to be able to help you to get around people who don't know Jesus, or CareNet, or the Good News Rescue Mission, or, you know, Mike Hurley, right, the Samaritan's Purse call line, Bella Vista School, and our work with the lunch down there. Uh, we started this new ministry at Sierra Oak, right, and reaching out to the people that are there. Operation Christmas Child, and then, of course, our CMA stuff, the Envision and CAMA and Marketplace and Access Ministries. These are all areas that we can engage and get to know and be around lost people. If you're not already, here's some, here's some get involved in one of these. Start volunteering and see what happens. 
We celebrated in December that we had 26 new conversions that people in this church got to be a part of. 26, that's pretty awesome. Can we do that again? Would God lead us again into that? Do we get more opportunities? Is it gonna snowball? Is there, maybe we're gonna double that. The year before, remember we had zero. And then we had 26. Maybe we're going to have 52 or whatever that is doubled, right? Yeah, not good math. Anyway. So, right? I mean, but if that's going to happen, we've got to recognize these things, right? We need to be prepared. We need to be intentional. We need to be relational. We need to be obedient. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you again so much for all that you've done for us. Lord, that you have already brought us into your family, that you've already blessed us, you've already comforted us, you've already cared for us, you've already brought us into your eternal family, and we thank you for that. What a great privilege it is to be a part of your world and to to be blessed by you and to know that each day is lived with your spirit, indwelling us, empowering us, directing us. But more than that, to know that every day is filled with hope, No matter how horrible the day is, we know that you are still in it and that this is not our eternal home, but we have that eternal home with you. So we know no matter what suffering we endure, it's only for a time. Lord, it's this hope, it's this privilege, it's this amazing reality that we need to share with the world because the world needs to know it. Your word tells us that you are continuing to pursue all of your children. Everyone in this world that you've created, you've not only created them unique, you've created them for relationship with you. Lord, help us to recognize our role in that. We have a responsibility because we have this good news to pass it on. Because we've been changed share that change because we've been comforted we share that comfort because we've been renewed we share that renewal because we've been given hope we share that hope freely we have received freely we give first corinthians chapter one or second corinthians chapter one verses three to five blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless, church. Have a great Sunday. See you soon.